Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Revenue Integrity Show, a NARI podcast. My name is Jacqueline Fitzgerald, and I am the director of NARI. If you haven't had the opportunity to check us out yet, or this is maybe one of your first times stumbling upon our podcast, uh, we are the National Association of Healthcare Revenue Integrity. You can find us online at NARI.org, N-A-H-R-I.org. Um, we always have great weekly news, tips, and information up on the website, in addition to some resources, a networking forum, um, and information about some of our ongoing and continuing education. Um, so just a couple of reminders before I go ahead and introduce today's guests and get us into the program. Uh, one of the efforts that we are working on currently is the NARI Leadership Council. Um, so we are in the uh, application period currently for 20 to 21, 21 to 2022 term. Um, so that information is up on the NARI website. If you head over to our Network and Events tab, under that is a drop down for the Leadership Council where you can find details on uh, the scope of the council, the research that we've done in the first year, which will kind of give you a good idea of what we uh, have planned for the year ahead. Um, and from there, you can go ahead and submit an application. Um, at this time, we are limiting uh, the council membership to folks who are in a leadership position within a hospital, healthcare system, uh, any sort of healthcare facility, uh, primarily in revenue cycle, rev integrity, but certainly like to have folks join us from uh, HIM, compliance, and adjacent um, departments so that we can really have some well-rounded research and discussions uh, throughout the year. All right, so last time we met, we talked about the state of price transparency. My guest was David Mitskawi, uh, Vice President of Access Management Solutions at the SSI Group. Today, we're going to talk about consumer payment, tre payment trends. So my first guest that I have here with me is David Stavider, uh, Senior Partner at CWH Advisors. David, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, it's great to be here, Jacqueline, and looking forward to this conversation. Great, thanks so much, David. Uh, joining myself and David, we have Henry, Henry Cadier, uh, Senior Partner at CWH Advisors. Henry, happy to have you join us. Jacqueline, great to be with you as well. Uh, look forward to the discussion. Absolutely. All right, myself, David, and Henry are joined by Laurie Heavey, who's the Senior Vice President of Marketing at Clear Valance Healthcare. Laurie, fantastic to have you on the line with us as well today. Thanks. Looking forward to the conversation. Hello, everybody. Hello. All right. Uh, so Lori is going to help moderate today's discussion and talk about some data uh, that she, David, and Henry have gathered together this year uh, in that healthcare consumer payment model and uh, part of the healthcare universe. Um, so with that, I'm going to go ahead and hand things over to Lori so she can kick us off um, and talk about some of the information that they've pulled together um, and some of the uh, payment trends that they've noticed and how that could impact uh, the healthcare market. Okay, thanks, Jackie. Well, first, let's take stock of the current situation, and of course, that's the pandemic. It continues to put enormous stress on healthcare organizations, both clinically, financially, and now, you know, emotionally for all healthcare employees. Uh, some of the larger health systems we're seeing, they are posting positive margins, but it's expected that more than a third of health systems will be operating in the red through the rest of the year. And then we have the consumer side, uh, consumer out-of-pocket spending for all types of healthcare services. That's estimated to hit just under $492 billion by the end of the year, but that's still down from 
$540 billion that was recorded in consumer out-of-pocket spending pre-pandemic. So it's, it's clear that consumers still are delaying care. And, you know, with all of that, how are health systems re going to react? If there is to be a financial recovery in 2022, how should providers position themselves to attract consumers? What are consumer expectations for how they pay their portion of care? These are just a couple of questions, um, and there are plenty more. And so, you know, we've already had, you know, David and Henry are going to be joining us in, in talking about this conversation. And uh, first, guys, let's let's step back for a second and just give some context about the study. Sure, happy happy to jump into this, uh, Lori Henry Cadia here. Yeah, David and I, um, you know, have been noodling around on this topic about what was going to happen with um, the COVID pandemic and and patient payments and whether this was going to be sort of an inflection point and change a year ago. And we wanted to look at the market. Originally, our hypothesis was around looking at whether this was going to be an affinity category that uh, credit card issuers were going to want to enter as travel and entertainment were sort of so significantly impacted. But we broadened our, our, our charter for the survey. Um, and again, the survey was both a combination of quantitative and qualitative. We wanted to go out and look at other topics, including, um, you know, the degree to which contactless payments, portal payments, you know, educating consumers about healthcare expenses, um, we're, we're going to get uh, additional funding and going to become additionally important for, for providers and for patients. So um, it, was a, it was a lot of fun to do the survey. So I'll pass on to David uh, to sort of explain our methodology. Sure. Thanks, Henry. David, Steve Ader here. Uh, and uh, we, did, we did have a lot of fun with this. We went out to 1,500 consumers uh, and uh, about 15 qualitative interviews with a combination of provider organizations, uh, national pharmacy chains, payers, a couple of pay, uh, patient payment vendors and fintech companies. So really tried to use their perspectives to add color to what we were hearing directly from consumers. The purpose of the study was, was really try to get at, from a consumer standpoint, um, what were they kind of looking to uh, you know, kind of provide input on that could help provider organizations. So, Lori, you know, I, I would love for providers to kind of take some of this into account and how they think going forward. And uh, we'll hopefully hit on some key points here about how to improve the payment experience. Okay. Well, and so speaking of that, knowing that they shouldn't simply return to their old practices, let's go, let's do go ahead and unpack that a little and discuss how healthcare providers focus for the patient financial experience should change. And, and you know, so what did the study uh, tell you guys? And David, let's start with you, please. Sure. Well, as Henry mentioned, uh, part of our reason for conducting the study in the first place was to look at the potential for health systems to become co-brand partners for a new healthcare payments card. Uh, and we've been looking at this for a little while and COVID just really put a fine point on it. Uh, the study though told us that while it turns out that uh, consumers have very strong interest in a new healthcare payments product, uh, it is not at all of interest to providers. They have a lot of other things on their strategic plate uh, and uh, co-branding a healthcare payments card is just not one of them. Uh, what they are interested in uh, investing in, though, as it relates to the payment experience is, uh, and, and this was interesting because we didn't really ask about it, but it was brought up uh, by all of our interviewees unprompted, 
patient financial literacy is recognized as an area of importance. Now, patients don't understand the difference between an EOB and a, the bill they get. Uh, they don't understand why they get two or more bills for the same care experience. And so hospitals and providers recognize that they've got to do more to explain all that. Uh, there's an awful lot going on to try to do a better job of estimating what the cost of care is going to be. Um, and really just, uh, this is not a new theme, but moving the financial conversation earlier in the care journey and really helping patients to understand more about their payment choices earlier in the process from the provider side, all of course combined with trying to collect earlier in the payment, in the uh, payment process and the, uh, the care process. Yeah, and another another area of discovery in our survey was you know, was the the advent or the acceleration of uh, QR codes and contactless payments into healthcare. I mean, I think we're all familiar uh, as you know consumers and shoppers and diners that you know the way we bought products over the last year has changed, and um, you know what we've seen in in terms of investment dollars and and talking to executives and at at hospitals and provider organizations is that true to form they're making similar investments themselves they are getting ready for contactless payments and and that can you know be as simple as upgrading the terminals in their office as you know patients have resumed visiting clinics and 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 specialists and and such but really um, most importantly making sure that they can take you know, take the healthcare dollar from the consumer via um, digital means. And that means obviously having an e-commerce and a, and a portal strategy so that consumers can pay their co-pays, can pay their outstanding balances. So I think like a lot of things with COVID and, and over the last couple of years, you know, things that were already afoot, trends that were already afoot really just accelerated. And if, if a hospital or provider organization doesn't have a robust portal um, capability to take payments um, to present payment plans, et cetera, you know, that's, that's going to be a liability. They, the consumers expect it, and um, it's where the industry's going. Right, right. I completely agree, and that's, you know, what we're seeing, too, with uh, as we work with our health system part partners. It's, it is the portal, but it's also really that digital front door. They want that holistic patient experience. It has to be easy and convenient to navigate, not just for the clinical information, but to your point, uh, for payment services as well. Okay, well, so moving on to the, the next topic, the survey also highlighted some important characteristics and segmentation of the consumer audience. And just pulling out, why should millennials be key to the patient pay strategy? David, you wanna take that first? Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, we do spend a lot of time looking at the, what we call the 18 to 34 year old uh, cohort as we broke our data down. And they do really behave differently than the 55 plus group that we looked at on the other end of the age spectrum. Uh, the younger uh, generation, that age group just doesn't really have a preconceived idea of uh, healthcare as an entitlement. They view it more as a retail good uh, or service similar to the other things they buy. And they're, have, they're much more likely to have had a buy now, pay later experience outside of healthcare. So they're just getting much more accustomed to uh, different ways and, and new and easier ways to pay for care. You know, 69% of this age group has actually used a payment plan before. Um, and that, that compares to the 55 and us, uh, age, 55 and up age group, which was significantly uh, below that number. So 
you know, it's it's really a function of their their life experience, their different set of expectations, and also the extent to which uh, healthcare just represents a much greater portion of their spending uh, as time goes on. And Henry, you had some interesting observations about um, this cohort too. Yeah, well, I, I think you know, as uh, we we see just generally in payments, you know, there's a move with the younger. Um, demographic, this 18 to 34 group, to just have a different view of how they use credit cards. And as David mentioned, this whole phenomenon of e-commerce enabled, you know, fintech solutions coming in that uh, enable installment, um, you know, installment plans. I mean, we're moving towards an installment plan economy, the way people buy Pelotons, the way people are buying durable medical equipment now. Um, you know, so the medical goods industry has already sort of turned on the switch to enable this installment uh, mechanism. And I think I think more and more younger consumers are going to look for uh, this as a mechanism for how they finance their their healthcare expenses. Um, they like the predictability of knowing what it is and they don't want to see a massive sort of lump sum, you know, um, bill uh, hit their hit their credit card, uh, which, as I said earlier, they're, they're using less and less overall in their in their daily their daily lives so and maybe that's because you know they've seen their parents get um, sort of overextended with credit or they themselves have um, you know uh, college loans but I, I do think the um, the advent of these new um, capabilities um, that are you know at, at digital checkout um, that enable this this buy now pay later mechanism is going to be increasingly part of the healthcare payment ecosystem Yep, and, and again, these findings from the survey align with what we see from our millennial account holders. I mean, this group represents young families. Uh, they prefer to use their clear balance account to manage ongoing health care expenses. You know, they're adding new balances as necessary to your point. They're, they're using this as their way to manage their, their health care expense. And of course, the benefit to the health system is loyalty, their loyalty to return because they've made it easy for them. You know, I also think that most healthcare providers realize that they have to have better, more nimble payment solutions, just as you're saying, and those methods for consumers. Um, you know, despite the continuing stresses of COVID this year, we've seen a spike in interest for patient financing services from all sorts of healthcare provider organizations, even children's hospitals, which um, historically have have been able to rely on their foundation arm. They really understand that that patients, you know, want and expect this type of, um, you know, the, the, the retail economy. So very good. Okay. Um, and then the uh, last topic here, what do the study results show in terms of consumer expectations going forward for their financial interactions with providers? And, and David and Henry, what are your closing thoughts maybe on where patient pay is headed as we, you know, kind of close out 21 and and move into 22. Yeah, I can uh, jump in there, Lori. I mean, I'll say first that the patient payments area is hot, hot, hot. Uh, I mean, there is from a capital market standpoint, from a market activity M&A, uh, there's just an awful lot of going on out there. So this is certainly something that has captured the attention of investors, uh, and uh, for good reason. Uh, the uh, methods of payment today are not great. Uh, that is indicated by our survey. Uh, consumer expectations are not even that high, but they're 
uh, finding significantly unmet uh, needs. Just from the very fact that an incredibly high percentage of our respondents expressed an interest in a healthcare uh, payment product. I mean, if you were a consumer uh, product development or a bank uh, kind of product development person, our numbers are off the charts. And that just, it really represents a lot of, of uh, you know, kind of deeply rooted dissatisfaction about payment methods in healthcare. Things that are simple, like just put a uh, URL or a pay, uh, payment uh, portal on a paper statement. It's not that hard to do. Uh, and why not just email me uh, or text me? And so very, very simple things. Henry mentioned QR codes before. Those are becoming more common. So it, there's just a number of, of things that are sort of uh, really basic outside of healthcare that need to find their way into healthcare. And, and when it comes to financing, as we've been saying, uh, consumers, especially younger ones, they're taking for granted now that they're going to have those extended to them in healthcare as well. Yeah, I'd just add to that. I mean, I think you know, patient loyalty and patient engagement are really huge trends as well as as is just improving the healthcare experience. And you know, health systems and provider organizations are going to have to think about loyalty in a much different way than they have in the past. Um, you know, they're no longer sort of they don't no longer have sort of captive patients which are predictably going to come in for services. You know, patients because they bear more and more of the financial responsibility are shopping for healthcare. And if you're not an organization that's easy to transact with, to pay for services for, with, as David mentioned, whether it's, you know, portal or, or um, URLs on statements or a, a breadth of patient financing solutions, um, you're, you're not going to earn that engagement and loyalty of that, of that patient. So I think hospitals and provider organizations know that and consumers, you know, consumers have that expectation in other parts of the way they spend. Um, and the organizations that get their dollar, and I think uh, healthcare has got to catch up. So I think it's at a very exciting time for for, for uh, both the vendors, the service providers in this market, as well as you know it challenges the health system to, and the provider organizations to to uh, make these investments. Right, I agree. I think we're in you know in for more you know innovation uh, throughout the next year. So it it is a great time to to kind of be in this part of the market and really be able to respond to, to consumer needs. So um, David, Henry, thanks so much for the interesting conversation. To, to the listeners, if you'd like to learn more about the study, uh, please visit patientpay.clearbalance.org uh, to get a copy of the executive brief. Jackie, we'll turn it back to you. Great, thank you so much, Laurie, for uh, leading this discussion for us today uh, and for all of your thoughtful comments and questions. Stephen and Henry, thank you as well for chiming in. Uh, certainly, we've seen a number of changes in healthcare over the last year or so. Um, you know, many due to the pandemic, as you've heard, as you've all mentioned here. Um, so really interesting to see. You know, uh, we knew what was going on with price transparency when that rule came out. Um, you know, the impact that that would have on facilities. You know, you could tell very early on in the pandemic that the need for telehealth was was great. Uh, you know, well beyond what it had been before. Um, so definitely interesting to take a look at another side of this um, and really dive into, you know, what consumers are looking for currently and how technology um, is impacting, you know, the way that they're interacting with their their own healthcare and, and with facilities. Um, so appreciate all of your thoughtful comments and the time you took to, to get this information together um, and present it to us today. Um, really fantastic to always have new voices on this 
the show with us. So appreciate having the three of you here today and welcome you to join us again anytime. Uh, so our next live episode will be on October 7th. Uh, in the meantime, we welcome you to stream us up on our website or across your favorite podcast platform so you can go ahead and uh, catch up on any episodes that you may have missed. Uh, we are starting to look for speakers and guests for our November and December episodes. So if you have ever been interested in working with us uh, here on the podcast, please reach out uh, to us at nari at hcpro.com. So thanks again to my guests today and thank you all for listening and we will be in touch soon.